Hey friends, welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I am grateful and honored that you've chosen to tune in today. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics to help you get real, live free, and pursue your God-given dreams. Today's episode is brought to you by Joymail, the monthly newsletter I release that's full of resources that deliver a little joy and practical action steps into your inbox and life. To sign up, simply head to rachelgilbert.com, click the Start Here tab, and you can sign up for the newsletter right there. Have you ever been consumed by guilt? Um, I think all of us should be raising both hands right now. I know I sure have. Um, And if that's you, then today's guest and episode is for you. So lean into this conversation. Our guest, Valerie Burton, is a best-selling author and the founder of the Coaching and Positive Psychology Institute. Valerie has served clients in over 40 states and 10 countries. She's written 13 books on personal development, including her most recent, which we're talking about today, Let Go of the Guilt. She's also written Successful Women Think Differently, What's Really Holding You Back, and Successful Women Speak Differently. She's a frequent guest expert for the Today Show, CNN, Dr. Oz, Oprah Magazine, NPR, Essence, and many others. She has spoken for hundreds of organizations, including GE, McDonald's, Verizon, Coca-Cola, and the United States military. This interview with Valerie helped me personally let go of some guilt, and so I know it will for you too. So let's go ahead and jump right into that conversation that I had with Valerie. Well, hello, Valerie, and welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you here today. Oh, I'm glad to be here, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Yes, you look so cute. I wish everybody could see you. This is not a video, (laughs) though, but you look adorable. Um, And before we jump into what we want to talk about today, I'd love to ask all my guests a question of what is a random fact about you that we would not read on your professional bio? Um, Random fact is I, I grew up in an Air Force family and lived in Germany when I was a kid, which is where I got my love of languages. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. How long did you live there? We lived there for three years, second, third, and fourth grade. So how many, you said you have a love of languages. Do you speak multiple languages or? <laughs> I used to. Okay. <laughs> In adulthood, I haven't needed to, but German and Spanish. I, I just was always into languages. And actually, my undergraduate degree was in international affairs, although I never used it. Um, because I always just thought it was so interesting to learn about other cultures and people and, and languages. Oh, that's so handy. I love that. Okay. So today we're talking about your new book that's about to release here in a couple of weeks. And at the time when this episode airs, it will be released. That title of the book is Let Go of the Guilt. But before we dive into that, you said before we um, got on the air today, you said this is your 13th book. (laughs) So obviously, I'm not going to ask you to go list all of those. But do you want to maybe share what was your first book or any any kind of background on that? (laughs) Wow, yeah, I wrote my first book over 20 years ago. I can't believe that. (laughs) Wow. Been praying about my purpose. I was in public relations. I lived in Dallas at the time, ran a PR firm, knew I was good at that, but wasn't passionate about it and felt like the Holy Spirit said that my mission is inspiring women to live more fulfilling lives that I do it through writing and speaking. So I started writing that first book and it was like the words were flowing, like I felt like a vessel and I've been writing ever since. Wow. 
Okay, I just want to receive that because I haven't written my first book yet, but I feel like I'm going to. And I, I've i mm. heard some authors say that writing the book is so hard and all this. And I, I was recently praying. I was like, you know, Lord, I would love for this just to be an enjoyable process. Like, you yeah. know, like let the words flow, like what you just mentioned. I know it's still hard. Don't get me wrong. but <laughs> Well, I've had joyful experiences and I've had hard experiences. <laughs> yeah. What makes the difference in the two? Is there any? Is there one? Well, one is setting the intention that you're, that it will be joyful. Mm-hmm. You know, when we tell ourselves something's hard, it tends to feel hard, even if it's not. But also I found expectations are a big part of that. Mm. When I lose my focus on the person I'm writing to, which I really feel like I'm writing to friends and I want my writing to feel that way. Um, when I lose my focus on that and I start thinking about my writing being evaluated, what's the editor going to say? What's this media person going to think? I mean, you know, we don't usually like to admit when we're thinking about what others think. Um, that's usually when it gets hard. And so I just redirect my focus on my purpose. Yeah, that's so good. So this latest book on guilt, which could not be releasing at a more timely <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's like I, I almost asked you, did you know what we were going to be going through right now? But um, the Holy Spirit knew, right? So yeah. I would love to know where this started, this originated for this idea for this book and that's releasing right now. So the first time I really realized it wasn't just me who often felt guilty was I, I had done a keynote at a, at a conference, a women's conference, and they asked me to do a breakout session for working parents. There were just a handful of men, but it was about 300 women. And I mentioned guilt. And there was this collective like, (laughs) women were like raising their hands, telling why they felt guilty. And it was a lot of different reasons. That's the first time I got an inkling that this is an issue. And so I just kept bringing it up. And kept getting that same feedback, particularly from women. And so I thought, you know what? I have this issue. A lot of other women have this issue. I want to break through this issue. And if I can do that, maybe I can help other women do the same thing. Yeah. So why do you think that women tend to deal a little bit more guilt than men? Well, you know, there's a whole chapter in the book I call the guilt gender gap. Some of it is just how we are wired Um, We tend to be much more relational and we are more complex emotionally. Like we sense others' emotions more readily. And a lot of guilt is about feeling like you've caused harm somehow, right? So it involves other people. Also, there's some interesting research that shows that men don't have as much empathy as women and they start to develop more empathy later in life, like 50s and later. So if you can imagine, if you're always thinking about what the other person is feeling, you're having lots of empathy, even when you haven't caused harm, you can feel like you are. So what I noticed with women is that a lot of the guilt, it's not authentic guilt. It's not, I did something wrong. And and that, that has a place because we do think, but a, most of it and what I'm talking about a lot in the book is false guilt which is, I feel like I did something wrong, which is very different from I did something wrong. (laughs) So it's that feeling and we can beat ourselves up over and over again. Um, And I really believe it's a weapon that the enemy uses. We know that he came to kill, steal and destroy. 
And this is one of those ways causing you to feel guilty about, you know, the things that God may have even called you to do. That was a big piece for me is I found myself feeling guilty when I got to the vision that I felt God had placed in my heart when I was 20, which was to be an author, have a business and have a healthy marriage and family. And when I finally got there in my early 40s, I was feeling guilty every day. And when I would talk to my husband about it, he was like completely not understanding. (laughs) What do you mean you feel guilty? Isn't this the vision you had for your life? And so much of it was around my son. He's in preschool and maybe I should be at home. And I think a lot of what our culture says our lives should look like, sometimes we we internalize that. So I've I have found many working moms feeling guilty, but then I find stay-at-home moms feeling guilty. We just tend to find reasons to feel like we're not measuring up. So if you have that refrain, you know, I haven't done enough, I need to do more, I'm not enough, I'm whatever it is, you fill in the blank, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's I, I've never met a woman in particular who hasn't struggled with the guilt of some sort. Um, you talk some about spiritual guilt, which I was very intrigued by. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think it just depends on how you grew up, right? And so oftentimes we can be made to feel that we're not measuring up. I grew up Catholic and I joke about it, but I, I mean, I was eight when the first time I went to confession, right? And I remember at eight years old thinking, what if I forget like the things I've done wrong and I don't, you know, I don't ask forgiveness. What happens then? I think even at a very young age, we can take those things on. But then sometimes, you know, within a denomination, there can be things that we're really aren't biblical necessarily, but church folks (laughs) will assert that they are. And so we can have that level of guilt that isn't necessarily around what God says is right or wrong for us but around what others say, you know, it's, it's more religious than it is the relationship that we have with God. Yeah. And you've kind of um, alluded to this a bit, a couple of times, but is there a good side of guilt? Like, is there ever a healthy type of guilt? (laughs) Yes. I mean, the Lord wired us to feel guilt because we need to feel guilt when we've done something wrong, right? It, It is a, it's a warning signal. Stop. Wait a minute. And especially when we feel the guilt before we've done the wrong thing, that's when it's most effective. When we are already feeling guilty because we know we shouldn't do that or we should do whatever it is. But the upside of guilt is also that those who are more guilt prone tend to be better at all sorts of things. <laughs> they're better employees often because they're conscientious and they're very good at upholding uh, the norms and the values, the goals of an organization. They want to do what's right. Those who tend towards guilt are better to be in relationship with. They want to do right by you. Um, so we often find that people who have this tendency actually are more successful in a lot of different ways. The problem comes in when we overdo it. Yeah, I love that perspective of guilt. And um, I'm also just curious, 
you and I, before we got on this, we were kind of talking about our different kids situations and, you know, one going back to school, a couple saying, you know, like just kind of as moms talking about yeah. this. And so the current state of our culture was we have this pandemic happening, lots of different decisions going on. And um, I would love to know how you see guilt is playing into what we're currently walking through and then how parents can reconcile those feelings of of guilt really in their decision making. Oh, I mean, we've, none of us have ever walked through this before and we want to make the right decisions. Of course, guilt is around right and wrong. And so, and, and like I said, often the, am I causing harm? So if you've had to make a decision about whether your child is going to school in person or virtual, right? Either way, guilt can come. Kept my child at home. I'm denying them the social interaction. I'm sending my child to school. Am I putting them at health risk? Am I putting family members at risk? I mean, there's all of this back and forth. There's so many decisions we're having to make right now. So there's a lot of opportunity for the second guessing. Yeah. And, you know, the title of your book is Let Go of the Guilt. So if somebody who's listening today and they're like, okay, yeah, I'm sold. I have all kinds of false guilt. <laughs> How do I let it go? You know, like what, do you have any tips on that? <laughs> Absolutely. So I am a coach. I'm a life coach. My company trains life coaches. I am all about you know, it's great to know what the problem is, but more importantly, how do we get to solution? And a lot of times that has to do with noticing your thoughts, asking the right questions. So I take readers through a process. I call it the peel process, but it's really about being able to pinpoint your guilt triggers. What are those things that tend to trigger guilt in you? Because for most of us, it's similar categories all the time. If it has to do with your children, I'll tell you, I interviewed Um, quite a few women for this book, and we surveyed over 500. The most common sources of guilt. Tie for number one was what you eat and whether or not you're exercising. Oh, my goodness. Mom guilt was up there, but I thought it was interesting that eating and exercising were, um, were at the top. So pinpointing when your guilt tends to be triggered and then asking yourself, did I actually do something wrong or am I doing something wrong? Because a lot of times we don't push back on our thoughts. So for example, my thoughts around guilt, let's say I had a speaking engagement and I'm traveling and it's, I mean, it's just right in my sweet spot of who God has called me to. And it's, it's not like I'm gone forever. I'm gone overnight. I come back. I've made all sorts of arrangements. My mom's spending the night, like my son's fine. <laughs> And I had to ask myself, am I doing something wrong? And that's really a question of number one, it's, it's, it's often factual, but it's also getting um, quiet with God. What do you have for me in this season? For me, it was also, is this something I'm not supposed to do? And is this something I'm supposed to give up? The message for me was very clear. No, this is, this is your purpose. This, your family life doesn't have to look like someone else's family life. I have a unique path for you all and all is well. And in fact, your son is very much enjoying you uh, being gone because he's getting extra time with grandmommy. And you know what? His siblings are home and everything is good. He's not even really thinking about you. When I pushed back, I realized I didn't have anything to feel guilty about. It was really about the expectations that I had set based on people around me. Mm. So what are your expectations? What are you saying to yourself that may not be entirely true? What is God saying to you? 
about that situation because what he has for you in this season of your life may not look like anybody else in your life. And that's okay. But unless you get quiet and you begin examining your thoughts, you're not really going to even notice. You're just going to go with the thought that gets planted in your mind, whether it's truthful or not. I love how practical this is. And it even got me thinking about, you know, you, you talked about how important it is that we, you didn't say this word compare, but really it is essentially, you know, me not comparing myself to you and what God told you to do and versus my family and then being confident in that decision. But then also, I don't know if you've experienced this, but sometimes we allow other people to put guilt on us for those decisions then, you know, like, oh, well, you're doing what with your kid? Oh, you know, no, like, you know, and so there is a bit of that. And this is so, it takes a lot of, I feel like a confident and maturity to actually be able to separate yourself from someone trying to place that guilt on. But if there's, I don't know if you've seen this or not, or if you have, if you can speak to that at all, about how we, once we make those decisions in confidence, knowing that this is what God told me to do for our family for this season, and then walk in that and not be swayed by the opinions of others. So there are a couple of things that come into play with, with guilt. One is your values. What are your values? Values are what you say is important to you. Right. And so if you're not clear about your values, then other people can put their values on you. I tell a story in the book about um, about a woman whose mother would make comments whenever it would come up that her husband was getting the girl, their girls ready in the mornings. Now, this was the arrangement between her and her husband. He enjoyed it like it was it was just their routine. And she said it took a while. And then finally, she had to realize Look, my mom grew up in a different era, and the mom did all of the child care, especially with the girls, and this is how she, this is what she believes, and these are her values, but I am in a marriage where we are sharing the raising of our children, and we think it's important that both of us have that kind of interaction. So she said, it's not that my mom was wrong, but that's not what I'm doing. That's not my value. Yeah. That was pretty huge because if you imagine every morning this happening and you just, it's not that you're saying it out loud, but it's occurring to you what your mom thinks. And and this is where that guilt comes. That's like an all day long guilt. And you're not even saying anything to yourself. And more importantly, when that guilt starts to take over your decisions, Mm. right? So, I mean, there's so many different ways that this can, um, this can show up. I mean, a lot of single parents will struggle with this, you know, overcompensating for the other parent, spoiling their kids or buying things that maybe they can't afford right now, but they're feeling guilty. And so if we don't call it out, which is a, another very practical thing that we can do, literally just labeling the emotion of guilt when you feel it, just pause and say that's guilt before you make a decision based on on the guilt. Um, because Some people in our lives, when they realize that we feel guilty about things, can use it to manipulate what they want, right? So so the guilt trips ensue. And so there's just so many layers of this. So there's the values part, but then there's also the expectations. And I identify about five expectations that we can have that influence us with guilt. One of them is others' expectations. And this does mean you have to be strong enough to say, you know, I know that is so-and-so's expectation, but it's not, it's not mine. 
Um, another type of expectation that sets us up for guilt is vague expectations. Like I should be doing more. I should spend more. I should, you just feel like I should, I should work more on that. Well, more is so vague. When have you done enough? Yeah. (laughs) I should exercise more. Okay. I should eat less. Okay. How much less, you know, how much more should you exercise when it gets vague? We never feel like we've reached the point where we've done what we were supposed to do. And so that guilt is always there. We're always in the wrong because I still haven't done enough. So just pay attention to to what you're saying to yourself about expectations, because those are just thoughts about what you should be doing. That's my definition of expectations. And I think too often we don't get quiet and say, okay, God, what is your expectation of me here? What is it? I want to be in alignment with that. I love this. I'm taking notes over here. And a theme I see is just being very intentional about really sitting with God first and foremost and saying, what are my, what are your expectations here? What values do you want for me and my family? And then also asking that question, am I making this decision out of guilt? You know, like that's a big one, (laughs) but we just, we just don't stop and take the time to do that, you know? And so why don't we stop and take the time? Is it the too busy thing or is it just, we don't, we don't see the importance of it. Most people are not that self-aware mm-hmm. to say, what am I saying to myself? Yeah. But it is transformative to stop and notice your thoughts. And like I said, just ask, is that true? Yeah. <laughs> or what part of that is true? Sometimes part of it's true. Address that. If you did something wrong or you said something you should or shouldn't have said, address that. But sometimes there's a part of it that's just totally not true. But it does take slowing down to parse those things apart. Yeah, that's so good. And I love that you brought up the self-aware thing because that's huge. And uh, I'm in school to become a marriage and family therapist. And Mm. a big part of our coursework is actually our own self-awareness as therapists. Like part of my every semester, I have at least one class where our assignments are to write these process papers is what they call them. And it's because if we don't become extremely self-aware of our own prejudices and our own beliefs and our own all these things we'll make really bad counselors because I'll just constantly impose on you exactly what you just said, all those things, you know, like my values and my beliefs and what I think should happen. And, and that's very dangerous. And so that's obviously counseling world, but that applies to here in the now. And so I I love that self-awareness piece. Um, You kind of mentioned, we started to talk about a bit, the difference a little bit like in a single mom and uh, what would be the difference of some of the types of guilt that, working moms, working single moms, stay at home moms. Like there's, you know, we all kind of do different roles and uh, (laughs) the different levels of guilt that they carry and how can we support each other really? And don't forget the non-moms because true. I mean, I think there's a lot of guilt placed on women if they don't fit within these, these molds that we talk about wife and mom. And so I think at each step, I know when I was not married, the comments people would make sometimes, oh, oh, you're just really into your career. You don't want to be married. Yes, I do. (laughs) So why are you making this assumption, right? With stay-at-home moms, sometimes it is around what their contribution is. Sometimes, especially if they've stepped out of the workplace, have I done the right thing? 
when you look at moms who are working, should I be at home or am I somehow harming my kids because I'm not there all the time? I mean, no matter what, we can find something that allows us to not measure up. And it's our choice to stop it. Yeah. It, it literally is a decision. Here's the decision I've made. This is where I see God having me at this time in my life. I'm going to enjoy it right where I am. Yeah. But we know that women, I mean, when I talk about the difference between like married women, single women, moms, non-moms, there's one study that showed that women who have to do a little work after work hours, like in the evening or maybe on the weekends, feel guilty. Men don't feel guilty about it. Women feel guilty. Whether they are moms or not, whether they're married or not, they could be at home alone and need to get some work done and feel like they're doing something wrong. What is that? Is it the perfectionism of I should be able to get everything done in this period of time? And since I can't, I'm not measuring up. It is persistent. And we know that perfectionism is largely a women's issue. Um, we are far more likely to be perfectionists. So this also plays into the expectations that we have. And, it, and just being aware of these things, I think, helps you understand yourself better mm-hmm. <laughs> and see it when it's, when it's coming. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I have two girls. And so as they get older, this also becomes a motivating factor for me to do things differently, you know, because I'm like, I already see in them the same tendencies that I, you know, when I'm at my worst in this department. And I'm like, wait, no, I don't want to pass that on to you. Like, we're not going to carry out. We're not going to um, do that. So do you have any words of advice maybe for any moms listening that maybe have, do have girls and like, we want to just train them, like raise them differently, raise them to believe about this differently. It is so important to have open conversations with your children, transparent ones. Now, if you're in a place that's just, you're a mess and you, you haven't processed anything, you might wait on that, right? But in terms of just your everyday, I mean, I have two older bonus daughters, they're 13 and 15. And when I'm stressed or struggling with something, I'll tell them this is hard. Like, I don't want them to get into adulthood and struggle and look at me and everything seemed like it was always perfect. So I think it's okay to say, oh, I'm feeling guilty about that. And I can't make decisions out of guilt. Think about like, I never heard my mom say that. Like now all of a sudden, you know, your child is aware that, yeah, we can make decisions out of guilt because you know what? They can deal with that same thing with their peers, that same thing at school of guilt and even the guilt trips, or maybe it's something going on between siblings or within your family, et cetera. So I think it's very healthy to talk to your children about not beating themselves up, about having some self-compassion. I mean, that's a huge piece here, being able to say, not only do I not need to be perfect, God knows I'm not perfect anyway, no matter how hard I try. So we all fall short. (laughs) And the sooner we embrace that we fall short, doesn't mean we're not trying, the easier it is for us to let go of that guilt. Yeah. Um, Even when it's authentic, because that makes it easier to admit when we're wrong, to apologize when we're wrong, to find ways to atone for it when we're wrong, because we realize that we fall short, that we can try as hard as we can. And you know what? Sometimes maybe we didn't try as hard as we could have. And we can aim to do better next time. Yeah. 
I love how you just brought it back to that simple question of asking if we're making decisions out of guilt, because that's really powerful. I'm going to do that with my girls, but not even just with my girls, but with girlfriends who maybe come and say, hey, I need some advice. And to come back to that simple question of, okay, well, you know, are you making this? Where are you making this decision from? What place are you making it from? That's just really, really powerful. So I love that. Um, As we wrap up today, I do have one final question for you in what would be some of the biggest steps that we could take to reclaim the joy and break free from this guilt trip? Ah, <laughs> so recognizing one of, one of my most fascinating discoveries while I was researching the book was this idea that happiness is a risk and guilt is safe. Mm. Rachel, that really hit me. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean happiness is a risk? So much of my work is about helping people be happier. I've never thought of happiness as a risk. But, you know, sometimes, depending on what your life has been, sometimes we can be afraid of happiness because what we're really afraid of is not being able to keep it. Mm. We're afraid of the disappointment that might come if things don't stay this happy. And so we'll insert some sort of sabotage, some sort of negative emotion into the happiness. And for me, that was the guilt. Like, there's no reason to feel guilty here. Everything is what you aimed for. What are you guilty about? So making that decision that, yes, letting go of the guilt is important, but how can you on an everyday basis choose joy? It really is a choice. So simple, simple things like counting your blessings and then reflecting on why you're grateful for those. You know, the research shows we have more gratitude when we say, not just I'm grateful for my children, but why? Well, I'm grateful because God blessed me to raise three children and I knew I wanted to be a mom. And after going through divorce and being 36 with no kids, somehow he still has given me the grace to have an incredible husband and three kids. Like, that's why I'm grateful. And that expands that joy. For others, it's, you know, connection every single day. I mean, especially right now, everything is Zoom and Skype and phone and and not seeing each other face to face, being intentional about connecting, checking in with people, really listening to them, praying for people earnestly. That boosts your happiness. That's connection, getting out and just moving. It doesn't have to be some crazy exercise schedule, but could you take a walk? <laughs> yeah. You know, could you just get moving? Because that will boost your mood. 20 minutes of cardio will boost your mood for 24 hours. So I talk in the book a lot about these very simple ways that we can intentionally um, take back our joy And I think a lot of it starts with deciding. I mean, whatever you're going through, you can go through it miserable, guilty, (laughs) you know, doubtful, or you can choose to go through it with joy. And I believe that's a sign of God's presence with us. And for anyone listening that's like, I'm just not there right now, look, don't let this be another source source of guilt, right? (laughs) Because there there are periods where we need to or we just need to deal with our stress. But even in that, having the self-compassion to say, okay, this is the season I'm in. I'm going to give myself some room here and some grace. And then still say, and where might I find a bit of joy? What might bring me joy? And do it, whatever it is. Yeah. 
Oh, this has been such a great conversation. I have loved talking with you, Valerie. Where can the listeners connect with you in the online space and get your book? So I would love for them to go to ValerieBurton.com because if they get the book, they'll also get a free audio training around how to flip guilt trips. <laughs> if you're dealing with guilt trips, you will very much enjoy that. And uh, and we've got a free self-coaching course there as well. So when we're talking about being more self-reflective and getting those answers, I think you'd find that very helpful. And of course, you can get the book pretty much anywhere that you like to buy your books. Um, and then online, uh, on social media, you can find me at Valerie Burton and Valerie is spelled like Valor, V-A-L-O-R-I-E. I love it. Awesome. And all those links will be in today's show notes as well. So thank you again for taking the time to come on here and for helping to set some women free. I know you, you, you ministered to me today, so I appreciate it. Yay. That's my goal. Thank you so much for having me. Wasn't Valerie amazing? Hey, be sure to grab a copy of her book, Let Go of the Guilt. I have a copy and I know that you will love it. Don't forget to enter for the giveaways of guest books. All you have to do is text the phrase Real Talk Giveaway to the number 44222 right there on your cell phone. You can also sign up on my website at rachelgilbert.com. And hey, if you are on the list for that Joymail newsletter, you are automatically included in this giveaway every single week. All right, friends, that's all that we have for today. I pray this episode brought you one step closer to getting real, living free, and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.